Welcome to the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. It's time for you. A podcast produced for the sheep industry by Sheep Connect New South Wales. Hi, I'm Fiona MacArthur, a network coordinator for Sheep Connect New South Wales. The Sheep Extension Network in New South Wales, which is funded by Australian Wool Innovation. Sheep Connect New South Wales has a membership of over 2,200 and our main aim is to help keep you and your sheep business up to date on information about all things sheep. Autumn is here and many producers join their lambs at this time of the year. There is much that will have already been done and management decisions yet to make. In this episode of It's Time For You, I'm joined by Nathan Scott to explore the pros and cons of joining this autumn. Nathan has a background in prime lamb, merino wool and beef production and a passion for improving productivity and profitability of livestock enterprises. He works with producers to increase conception rate, improve lamb survival, lift growth rates and hone overall management. Nathan provides advice to individual clients, works with a large number of producer groups, is a keynote speaker and is involved within various industry projects based in Inverley in Victoria. Welcome, Nathan, and thank you for joining me on It's Time For You. Thanks for having me. Nathan, what are the advantages of joining in autumn? Uh, there's a few significant advantages. The first one, and probably sort of the most significant one, specifically targeted at autumn, is the seasonality of sheep. And the fact that while even merinos, we talk about them being less seasonal, but ultimately all sheep are seasonal and that's driven by day length. So as we get beyond the longest day of the year in December, um, we'll see the percentage of ewes that are ovulating increase uh, as we move forwards with that with that shortening day length. So um, we'll see that, that joining in autumn, you'll have a high percentage of ewes that are actually available to the ram at any one time. And then looking ahead, does it make sense down the track when our lambs hit the ground, and I suppose that's sort of like late winter, early spring, is it going to be beneficial for them and the timing corrects back then as well? Yeah, so that's the other flow-on effect. Clearly our joining date sets our lambing date, um, but that is, depending on exactly where you are, and obviously being a New South Wales podcast, New South Wales is a big place with a, a vast range of, of climatic conditions, but um, it can align really well, particularly for those sort of winter dominant rainfall areas because it can, can match up quite well. For the late winter, early spring lambing, it matches up really well in terms of the increasing pasture growth rates that kick in at that time. So with our clients, generally if we're trying to find the ideal lambing date, I'm aiming for uh, our third week of lambing to line up with when our pasture starts to move coming out of that, that sort of winter shutdown period. Um, Obviously, there's going to be differences if you're in the New England and some of those other areas that have got a, a different seasonal um, conditions that they're, they're dealing with. But it certainly can have some significant uh, value for, a, for an autumn joining leading into that, um, that late winter spring lambing if your season lines up that way. Nathan, you're not new to It's Time For You. You've joined us a couple of times before, which is great. And one of the things we've spoken about before is the importance of nutrition um, in the management calendar, but especially around joining. Ran nutrition is super important. What should we have already done? 
Yeah, so this one is a, a retrospective one for those that have already got rams out. But um, we know that if we feed lupins in the lead up to joining for around that six week period uh, leading up to joining, that we can increase the quality and quantity of semen for the rams. Um, so that's feeding sort of up to 500 grams a day of per head of, of lupins. But the other really important one, and probably I think the most forgotten one, um, is just trying to make sure that we've also got the rams on the same sort of diet that the ewes are going to be on. So if we're grain feeding our ewes, we need the rams to be adjusted to that same diet so that, as much as anything, so that we don't um, knock them over or or cause them some some discomfort with acidosis, whether that's clinical or subclinical. Um, but if they if they go into a paddock where ewes are being fed quite a high grain ration and they haven't been adjusted to it themselves, we're just setting ourselves up for problems. So we can do the loop and feeding, but one of the other things we need to do is just make sure that they're well adjusted to whatever the ration is going to be that the ewes are on when they go out. Yeah, that's a good tip. And I can see how that can easily be overlooked. Um, along with the rams, of course, ewe nutrition is going to be very important. How important is protein to the ewe at this time and how much do they need? Um, so protein is important all the time. There's a base level of protein that we need in the diet. In mature ewes, that's not, not terribly significant in terms of the amount. It's only trying to get sort of north of 8% protein in their diet. Um, but at this time of year, around the joining period, we can use protein flushing to our advantage. So a higher intake of protein um, can result in a, a higher um, ovulation rate in the use. So a better opportunity for us to get more fetuses on board. So we can use that um, clearly to our advantage, either through green feed flushing, so that might be volunteer cereals or lucin or a brassica crop or something like that. Um, but we can also do it with, with lupins or beans or some of those other protein supplements. Nathan, when we talk nutrition and animals, we often refer to the phrase rising plane of nutrition. How important is it at this stage in the cycle? Uh, for me, it's less about the rising plane itself and more about everyone being able to promise me that their sheep can't possibly be going backwards. And the only real way you can do that is to make sure that they're actually just going forward. So I personally, if we can use protein flushing, that's great. But in terms of the energy plane of nutrition, um, I'm actually more interested in just making sure they can't possibly be going backwards rather than having them charging along on a, on a really high rising plane of nutrition. And it makes sense, I think, if you think about that animal in the wild, um, if it's wandering around, its internal feedback mechanisms are going to give it feedback on what the season is like. And if things are good and nutrition is good, then the ewe is much more likely to be trying to conceive twins. Um, if, it's, if it comes back off that level a bit, she might only be trying to conceive a single. And if it's really not feeling good, then obviously she's not going to try and cycle at all. So um, I think it makes sense. Our job is to try and manage those internal feedback mechanisms. Um, and that is making sure that she feels like the season is traveling really well. And ultimately that comes down to just promise me they can't possibly be going backwards when the rams go in. Yeah, that's a good way of thinking about it. And of course, nutrition leads us straight into condition score because they really go hand in hand. Why is monitoring condition score so important to our joining? Oh, we know that condition score is directly related to the, the likely conception rates that we're going to get and ovulation rates out of our ewes. Um, so clearly trying to make sure that our user in condition score three or better um, is going to produce better results. And, and ultimately, and for a lot of our clients, we are actually targeting that 3.3 to 3.5 um, because we are trying to get those higher um, scanning results out of our use. 
but it's just really important to know where you're at. If you're not at that higher level, at that sort of 3, 3.3 or better, um, at least if you know what your condition score is, you can set your expectations. So monitoring it is really important so that we know what to expect, but also so that we can try and improve that and hit our targets for future use. It also clearly has some flow on effect for lamb survival and condition score is just a really important year round thing that we should be monitoring in our shape. Nathan, you just mentioned then that it's related to pregnancy status. How is condition score related to pregnancy status when we increase it or decrease it? So as we increase condition score, um, we will reduce the percentage of dry use. We'll also reduce the percentage of single bearing use as our twin and triplet bearing use new numbers increase or percentage increases. So um, there's, a, there's a natural effect there of as we increase our condition score, the first hurdle and, and one that's really important to everyone is reducing that dry percentage. Um, but as a consequence, as we, we increase it, we will also get less singles and more twins and triplets. Nathan, this season, which is uh, fantastic across most parts of New South Wales, we definitely have more feed on the ground and we have carrying less stock. So if we're one of the lucky ones and we've got ewes that are in good condition at the moment, can we just relax a little bit? Um, I would like to think no. Um, and it's one of the great challenges is uh, that we really don't get too many opportunities in sheep production to relax because the minute we do, we can lose some of our advantages. And right now, good condition scores in your sheep is a hell of an advantage to be carrying into a season. And for me, it actually, it, it potentially gives the opportunity to set you up for the next 10 years. Because if we can go into a system where ultimately our aim is to maintain condition score, um, we, can, we can manage the fluctuations in condition score, but maintain at that, at that higher level of three plus, um, it gives us a huge advantage for the next 10 years. Nathan, you talk about a 10-year advantage there. How important is it to set targets and then look back at what we've achieved the previous year in order to keep making gains? Uh, it, it's really important. And it, because we're dealing with a biological system and we do get flow-on effects from one year to the next, um, it's really important to be able to track and monitor, set targets, because ultimately um, it's, it's no different to having a, a budget for your business. I've heard people say before that budgets don't work because they're always wrong. Um, that's kind of the idea, that we want to know how far wrong we are. Um, and it's no different to, to setting targets in your business. I like for all of our clients to be setting reasonably ambitious targets throughout their business. Um, and it gives us something to be able to track and monitor against. So whether that's condition score or scanning percentage or lamb, number of lambs marked, um, lamb survival, all of those things, I like to have all of those, those targets set um, and so for, I really encourage for everyone right now, if you know your sheep's condition score, you know the nutrition that they've had um, and the way the season has been up until this point, set yourself a target for the number of lambs that you would like to mark or that you expect to mark based on all of those conditions. So that obviously involves trying to predict your scanning percentage and also your lamb survival, but it just gives us a, a line in the sand right now for something that we're aiming for from this point going forward. Nathan, I often hear you talk about setting targets, but also setting realistic expectations. So if, we've, if we're getting it right this year, are we going to see the results this year or do you feel we're going to get a little bit of a carryover effect from the drought that we've experienced in the last few seasons? 
Uh, so the realistic expectations are really important because um, we don't want to set ourselves up and then be horribly disappointed if we don't achieve something that that actually with hindsight was never going to happen. And, and so it's a really important thing to think about what last year's conditions actually created. Um, we know that the follicle recruitment or the eggs that are being released for this joining were actually maturing and developing last year. So if your sheep were going through a really tough period last year in their lactation, um, then there is a chance that that's going to follow through and carry over into this year. And so we need to be realistic in our expectations on that front. Um, and it's, it is an important point to think about. Nathan, the calendar's really busy. There's joining, uh, lactation, and then we go into weaning. We often overlook, though, the importance of the ewe recovery phase, which I, I'd like to talk about now. How important is weaning at 14 weeks to this? Uh, it's really important. And it's another point that carries in on into that um, our expectations for this year. If we've asked our ewes last year to lactate for 20 weeks, that only actually gives them 11 weeks of recovery. Um, as opposed to if we were to, to only have had them to lactate for, for 14 weeks, so weaning at 14 weeks, uh, that gives them 17 weeks of recovery before the rams go back out again. And it's a really important difference. That six weeks is really important. Even if our ewes are in really good condition and our seasonal conditions have been okay for us, it's still nothing replaces the recovery time. And the best example I can give you is anyone who has switched from an autumn lambing to a spring or winter lambing will have seen a, a big jump in their conception that they've achieved. And it's just a, a simple case of the extra recovery time that they've been provided. So as, along with obviously the seasonal changes as well, but um, it, there's a there's a big advantage in giving you that extra recovery time and so it's really important for us to wean on time it's something that will flow on to next year and so for those that are setting some targets for this year you need to keep in mind just what happened last year in terms of when you weaned lambs what sort of recovery your ewes have had as well it's beneficial to the ewe is there any problems and are you losing anything by taking the lambs off that early six weeks earlier um, so there is the, the generally held uh, perception is that lambs go off as soon as we take them away from the mum. Um, now, if I've got a client who's got lambs that are genuinely going to be sold as suckers, so we get to that 14 weeks and they're maybe only one or two weeks away from, from going, then I'm more than happy for them to, to try and use that extra week to get them off um, if they're going to hit their weights. But we know what the reality is. What often happens is we'll look at lambs and say they're really close at 14 weeks, another two weeks and they'll be right. And we get to two weeks and we look at them and say, yeah, they're really close, another two weeks and they'll be right. And before we know it, we've made those ewes lactate for 20 weeks. The reality is that a ewe beyond 14 weeks of lactation isn't providing anything but comfort and worms for those lambs. Um, worms are a big enough challenge as they are without the ewes providing more of them to those lambs. So uh, in all reality, in any season, good or bad, there's only a small proportion of our farm that is the absolute best feed. And that's where the lambs should be. We should be prioritising that to the lambs. And the ewes can go off and go and eat anything. Generally at that time of year, they're going to go and recover, put on condition. They get that extra few weeks of recovery and sets us up for next year. Nathan, our rams are so important to getting our production right and increasing our production system. How closely should we be monitoring them? 
<laughs> my honest answer is much more closely than most of us do. Um, unfortunately, rams often live in a ram paddock right near the house. Uh, it's very convenient for us to look at them as we drive past, but also means we don't necessarily go to the trouble of getting them in to go through them. So it is critically important. We get one crack at joining every year, and the rams are an incredibly important part of that. So we should be checking them really thoroughly. Um, well in advance of joining too, so sort of that 10 to 12 weeks out from joining so that we've got time to either correct issues in the rams or find other rams. Uh, but we should be monitoring them, which includes doing the full check of testicles and, and teeth and everything else. And, um, and there's some really good resources out there that, that can show you and talk you through that process. Um, but it, it is really critically important that the rams are fit and healthy before they go out. And as part of that, how important is it to really check through thoroughly their feet? Oh, it's critically important. Without good feet under our rams, they can't work. Um, and it doesn't matter how good your genetics are or how good the figures are. And I'm a, I'm a big figures person. I love Australian sheep breeding values. But they're only as good as the feet that the ram walks around on. Uh, if he's sore in his feet, then he won't jump. If he's, if he's back in his pastons or he's sore in his back legs, then he won't jump. If he's carrying a front foot because he's got a foot abscess, then um, even just the infection of the foot abscess can cause a spike in body temperature and affect semen quality. So um, there's nothing more worrying for me than when I visit a client at joining and I see limping rams in with ewes because um, it, it essentially makes me downgrade the expectations for that mob immediately. Yeah. Um, the ram percentage, we often debate it. Um, what are today's current recommendations? So the standard recommendation for, for a fairly long period of time now has been 1% plus 1 rams, um, which is fine if our mobs aren't too big. Um, it translates essentially to 1.5%. And so that's my standard recommendation now for mature use is 1.5% because it just, it means that we don't get caught out with not enough rams if we go at the 1% plus 1, but we, we're joining in really big mobs. That can dilute um, that plus one to the point where we're only barely above 1% with our, our ramp percentage. For for one and a half year old maidens, uh, I now recommend 2% rams. And for ewe lambs, I recommend 3%. And that's all related to how long those ewes are actually available to the ram. Their, their cycle actually, or their, their availability to the ram isn't as long as what a mature ewe is. And they also don't know what they're doing. So they're not looking for the ram as opposed to what a mature ewe will do. So it's probably one of the most significant changes in advice that's happened for me over this last 10 or 12 years of consulting. And Nathan, to try and help them out a bit, how important is it to think about the paddocks you're going to put them in for joining? So generally, most paddocks are fine for joining. Um, where I see that we can get into trouble is often we can join on stubbles, which are a great resource, um, but they often have a whole lot of fences and a whole lot of gates open. And we saw an example a couple of years ago, I arrived at a client's property uh, at joining and he had them all out in stubbles and it was across a, a large number of paddocks with all the gates open so the sheep just had sort of free reign over the whole lot. And the problem was that the rams were hanging in one paddock where there was better shade and a dam and some of the ewes were out in the other paddocks. And it only takes, given that a ewe is only available to the ram for sort of 24 hours or thereabouts, um, it only takes for her to be in the, the wrong paddock at the wrong time, and we potentially end up with a much higher dry percentage. So it's just ultimately it comes down to that ram to ewe contact 
and so trying to make sure that there's nothing that's going to get in the way of that and stop the ram from finding those ewes when they're available to him um, that's really what it comes down to from a joining paddock point of view and how long do you recommend we leave the rams out for uh 35 days is really all we need so five weeks we've got the odd person who goes to six weeks and that's fine it doesn't make a hell of a lot of difference but going anywhere beyond that um, it doesn't actually translate into that many extra lambs so around that sort of two to four percent um, extra viable lambs going beyond 35 days and it makes sense when you think about it those late born lambs they're marked at an earlier age, they get weaned too early because they get weaned with everything else uh, and they basically struggle for their whole lives and they'll, they'll be the first to get belted with worms and everything else that comes along. Um, and so that's why that, they don't actually translate into that many extra viable lambs. And our ewe lambs can be a little bit tricky. Is there a benefit to joining them at autumn? And if you're recommending that, what weight should we be aiming to get them at? Yeah, so, so ewe lambs are still always a challenge. Um, we're seeing more consistent results being achieved now, and a lot of that is coming down to the timing of joining. So for me personally, with our clients, I, I recommend that, that they don't join ewe lambs before the 1st of March. Um, and some of that is, is due to seasonality. Some of it's due to the age of, um, of the lambs themselves, but ultimately also we're chasing weight as well. So our minimum recommendation is, is 45 kilos, or 70% of their standard reference weight of that flock, whichever one's higher. So if you've got particularly big ewes, mature ewes, then you need to be working off that 70% of the standard reference weight figure because that, that could push them up to the target weight being more like 50, 52 kilos um, rather than just the 45 kilo target that's often talked about. And what, what are you meaning when you're referring to standard reference weight there? Yeah, so it's a really good point. So the standard reference weight is a bear shorn dry ewe um, at condition score three. And we've seen some examples before. We had one client in particular who was concerned about their, their the weight of their ewes um, and were looking to change their genetics to try and drag ewe weight down. And when we calculated their standard reference weight for their flock, it was actually nowhere near as high as they thought it was. It was 55 kilos in composite ewes. Um, and so actually, we, we, we would like a little bit extra weight in them rather than a bit less um, to allow them to carry more twins and triplets more easily. So um, it, it's a really worthwhile um, exercise for everyone to do is to, to go through, find some condition score three sheep uh, soon after shearing or at a time when you can adjust it for that fleece weight and work out what your standard reference weight actually is. And just before we finish up, we've spoken a bit about setting targets and realistic expectations and a little bit about looking back over things. But once we get to the end of this season, how important is it to look back over the season in a form of a reflection? Oh, it's, it's really important. It's, I think one of the most important parts of running a, a sheep business is to be able to reflect on what worked, what didn't work, what are we definitely going to do again next year? What are we definitely not going to do again next year? Um, and, and just to make sure that we learn from the experience that we've got. We don't get two seasons exactly the same, so that's obviously a challenge in our businesses, but we do get the opportunity to reflect every year and look for what changes we can make. Um, if we want to be better, the only way we can be better is to change because if we keep doing the same things we've always done, we'll keep getting the same results we've always got, and so we need to be looking for opportunities to change. 
And the only and the best way and the only real way to look for opportunities to change is to look at what worked and what didn't work over the last few years and reflect on that and set ourselves new targets um, and new processes for the years coming forward. Thanks, Nathan. That's great advice. It's always a pleasure to have you on our podcast and we're very lucky that we also will have you joining us again next week. So we have a Nathan Scott double up for the next two weeks, which is fantastic. Thanks for having me. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of It's Time For You, the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. We'd appreciate it if you could share our podcast within your networks. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the AWI podcast, The Yarn. We'd love you to stay in contact with Sheep Connect New South Wales, and you can do this in a number of ways. Join our network by visiting www.sheepconnectnewsouthwales.com.au. Find us at Sheep Connect New South Wales on Facebook and Twitter. We look forward to seeing you at our workshops and events later in the year. Thanks again for joining us today. Bye for now.